With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Good morning and welcome to another episode of The Bullpen. I am your host, Thomas Chavarria. And joining me today, my co-host, James Roy. James, how are you doing this morning, sir? I'm I'm doing good. <laughs> well, if you're if you're looking for forward to this Texan game against the Atlanta Falcons, we are absolutely here for you. We we are excited to see what these Texans are going to do coming off a two-game victory. On today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about will the ATL defense test Stroud? We're also going to talk about what we think Desmond Ritter and Bijan Robinson will do against this Texans defense. This look really good. And then we're also going to break down our keys to victory and our predictions. Hello and welcome. This is the bullpen. I'm James Roy. That's Tom Chavaria. I'm trying my best. You know, I'm, I'm like white and Hispanic. I got to channel it. You know, sometimes I, I talk with a draw. I'm like, hey, y'all. And other times I'm like, I'd like to go to the taco cart and get some tacos. Yeah, I don't know. I'd bounce back and forth. But this is the bullpen once again. And today we're going to be talking about the Texans matchup with the Atlanta Falcons. And this is a team that for a long time, a long time in my existence uh, as a, a fan of the team, had Matty Ice at quarterback. And it was a team that I always kind of felt like the Texans could contend with for parts of their existence. Um, but for the most part, that offense for Atlanta was potent and the defense was serviceable, good. It, it varied over the years. But right now, the Falcons are a team that I'm just unsure about. I mean, this is a team similar to last week. Desmond Ritter is the quarterback. Um, I, I don't have a lot of faith in Desmond Ritter at quarterback, similar to Kenny Pickett. And the offense outside of Bijan Robinson doesn't give me much to be worried about. Um, and if you can contain Bijan Robinson, you've contained the Falcons' offense. But defensively, um, from what I've heard, they're they're all right. They're they're pretty good. They could put the pressure on CJ. And so, uh, Tom, I'd I'd like to start with you. What, what what are some early thoughts on this Texans-Falcons matchup? My early thoughts is that this looks an awful lot like the game we just saw the Texans play against the Steelers. Dynamic running back, suspect quarterback, some pieces around him, you know, serviceable tight end. Uh, with, with Atlanta, I would say they have two serviceable tight ends. 
they also have a good young wide receiver in Drake London that, you know, can push the ball down the field. But I just don't think Desmond Ritter can get it to him like you spoke to. Um, I wonder exactly how good this defense is, judging how Jacksonville was able to run up the score on them a little bit in the UK. I understand it is a travel and that may have something to do with it. That's like the second home for Jacksonville. All they do is win over there, but other teams struggle with the trip. Um, I guess they're used to it now. I don't know. I'd be interested to see the Texans play the Jaguars in London because who would win? The Texans always beat the Jaguars and the Jaguars always win in London. We'd have ourselves a paradox. There'd be, there'd be no telling what would happen in that game. <laughs> but I mean, I, I agree with you. The, the assessment, that's pretty much what we've got to go on there. I mean, my, my biggest question going into this game is can Atlanta's defense test CJ Stroud? We've got a lot of returning offensive linemen coming into this game. So is, is the change in offensive linemen, the shuffle going to make the Texans offensive line better? They've already not allowed a sack for, for two weeks straight. Um, I mean, Laramie Tunsil, I think, obviously is a better option than Austin Deckless at left tackle. Uh, but but is the chemistry going to be affected by how we change things? Um, either way, I mean, C.J. Stroud performs very well under pressure. His passer rating under pressure is better than his passer rating without the pressure. So I, I, I once again, I mean, I feel like we're just having the same discussion we had last week. I'm just like, I'm like, well, C.J. will probably drop back and he'll probably throw the ball really quickly. And, and that Falcons defense is good, but is it that good? I don't know, man. Like, am I off base? No, not at all. I mean, obviously there are very similar paths to getting there, you know, in the, in the same vein, right? Uh, obviously we talked about their defense being able to be stingy at times. So the Steelers were a very stingy defense coming into the game. They hung 30 points on them. So for me, my biggest fear, I guess with Laramie Tunsil, cause you spoke to it is the rust. Is he going to, is he going to get a couple of those false start penalties is there going to be a hold in there somewhere? I don't. I don't think he'll have a problem gelling with that line. It's just going to be more of the the ring rust. You think about a guy that's really hasn't played a lot of football this season. You know, he didn't play a whole lot in the preseason. Very limited. You know, the first couple games. So that'd be my fear on that on that aspect. As far as the game, go ahead. Oh, I mean, I mean, I agree with you one hundred percent. But you were going to say as far as the game. As far as the game, I, I feel like the script is very similar. The difference, I think, however, we are going, or the Texans are going, I should say, to Atlanta, where, you know, they're going to have their fans, they're going to have their crowd. It's going to be really important for the Texans to try to take them out early. So this this reminds me of a, of something we kind of talked about, a, a segment for the show, an idea, if you will. Um, we're going to call it, this is the bullpen. We're going to call it Ole. Um, this is that, that red, red, you know, cloth hanging in front, and then it's pulled right out of out of, out of the front of the Texans, and it and it's just a, a you know a red herring or something that something that could trip the Texans up, that could make them you know see red and, and make a mistake. Um, I, I mean personally for me, the Ole for me, I said it already. I don't have a high opinion of Desmond Ritter, but one thing that could really pull the, the pull the red sheet and make the Falcons just take off and and take the Texans off guard, uh, for me would be if Desmond Ritter just finds his footing. Maybe he's just like looking for it and like against the Texans defense he does. I don't think that the Texans defense is the defense to do that against since, you know, they're actually really good. Um, but but that's my Olay. Do you have an Olay? 
<laughs> Ole! Um, Ole! <laughs> I guess for me, it's really going to be uh, CJ. If there is an Ole, it's that now I think that some of the spotlight has been shined on him. The fear is that he he's probably due to have a regressed game at some point. You know, a lot of us feel this is a game that he should be able to have similar success that he had in Pittsburgh. So is the Olay, so to speak, you know, where he regresses a little bit and the offense doesn't look as sharp as it did against Pittsburgh? That I definitely think that could be it. Um, I mean, I spoke to it, or not that specifically, but I mean, I was talking about CJ before the season, before he was named QB1, um, I talked to the fact that, that D'Amico and, and the Texans coaching staff had to make the decision not if, if CJ was the best option to start week one, but if CJ was ready for the pressure that comes with being a team's quarterback one, with being the guy who's expected week in and week out to perform for a team. And so um, it, when does that pressure become too much for him? He is a rookie. I think we tend to forget that because of how elite he has played, how amazing he's been as the franchise quarterback for the Texans. I can't say that enough. Um, so, so yeah, I agree with you 100% that, that we, we could – end up seeing in Atlanta them pull, pull that red sheet and all of a sudden where's the matador I was looking for the matador and I found nothing and then the offense is on the ground crying and the defense has to pick up the pieces so and another thing another part of that could be like I said earlier if the o-line is tripped up if the o-line finally looks like it it the depth chart says it should then then what happens can CJ step up and play under that there's so many different aspects of pressure that are attacking cj stroud and i i don't want to say it's only a matter of time but but at some point you know your pressure tested is there a crack is something is it possible that he could have his regression in this matchup so i i also firmly believe in in not disrespecting opponents just because you don't think they're worthwhile um i i it's it's the nfl um i recently saw this stat because of what the dolphins did to the broncos two weeks ago um, teams that score over 60 points since the merger in 1970 um, are 1-6 the next game. And that is because you simply just don't see that. That, that shows us that there were seven times a team hung 60 points plus on an NFL team, another NFL team. So, I mean, the Falcons could be, you know, I mean, it's like the Bears, right? To me, the Bears are like the worst team right now, but if the Texans played them, I wouldn't expect the Texans to do to them what the uh the dolphins did to the broncos i wouldn't expect the texans to you know maybe 40 points at most right like that like that 30 points to me is like a, a crushing game for the nfl and you see that in the difference between the college and the the nfl lines like each week i see a team hang 70 points in at the college level it's not impressive it's just kind of what happens especially in the early weeks so um so i want to respect the Falcons as a team, they are, you know, they do have positive aspects and it is a hundred percent possible that they could shock the Texans. Um, but the Texans are still one point underdogs. They opened at two and a half points. So what they did this past week paired with what's going on and the national media attention that CJ Stroud is getting has moved that line. Do you think that that's an appropriate line? Do you think one and a half points or sorry, one point to the Falcons is, is reasonable? I think that basically makes it a pick'em 
because the home team normally gets, I think it's three points or something like that. So that that's actually showing a fair amount of respect to the Texans in the sense that, okay, they firmly believe, Vegas firmly believes that you, they can go in there and get a win. Um, that's, a, that's a hard thing to cover, you know, the one-point spread. So it makes me also think that Vegas is basically saying, you can, you can pick whoever you want. And you're probably not wrong. Um, obviously, somebody's got to win there. But I guess that point spread kind of says that, right? Like they're not they're not willing to give Atlanta home field advantage in this game. I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, and and so I guess this this brings up a good question, kind of kind of related segue, really kind of not related at all. But I'm looking at the name Bijan Robinson on our little on today's show. Um, broadcast and here are my thoughts okay here's a here's a good question for you um the texans picked pretty high this year there were some people assuming that you know Bijan fell past where he did at 12 thought that the texans should get him or that they should trade up to draft him do you think that if the texans had say drafted cj stroud and instead of trading up for will anderson traded up and drafted Bijan robinson that the texans would be better or worse for it hundred percent worse because you had a running back in Damian Pierce that basically you already anointed as your bell cow. So while I love B. John Robinson, University of Texas uh, grad, uh, I'm a big Longhorn fan. I did not think that that was a fit for the Texans. I don't even know where that came from because you look at all the holes on this team and as much as you'd love to have the nice shiny toy, it didn't fit. It, it, unless you're going to tell me they're going to trade Damian Pierce or something like that. But for me, I was inst- instantly going, okay, I need a, I need a defensive end type. Uh, I need a wide receiver type. I need one of those. I didn't need a running back. We had a running back. And, and for me, Bijan Robinson, you know, as great as he would have been for the offense, um, and, and knowing what we know now with Damian Pierce, like that could have been a significant boost having Bijan in the backfield. It could, but you know, he would have had the same running lanes as Pierce. We can only assume he would have probably done at least a little bit better just based on him being a generational prospect and all that. Um, my biggest thing is, is that the Texans at the time of the draft, um, they, it seems like Nick knew that this was a win now season based on the trade they made for Will Anderson Jr. You don't trade your own pick going into this season in the first round of next year, unless you think you're going to be significantly better than the bottom of the league. Um, But with the volatility of the running back position and just, you know, what's all going on around it, the politics of being a running back in the NFL right now, um, that's a position that's, I mean, I I told people when we drafted Damian Pierce, I was like, I'm glad we hit on Damian Pierce, but the progression of Damian Pierce as a player, he's in the second year of his contract in the third year. If he's performing, you know, back to the level that he was his rookie year, and he's he's showing out in his third year. That's going to become the point where you have to contemplate: Do we want to extend him? What what kind of money does he deserve? And then you know you go well. We drafted him in the third or fourth round. Um, you know, in this year in the draft, we could take a swing. We could see if there's a prospect in the second or third or fourth round, and we could see now the the success rate of first round pick running backs cannot be ignored. And so Bijan would have more time, especially with that fifth year option that comes with being drafted in the first round. So it's not quite the exact same situation, but just understanding the politics around that position 
that was not a position that we necessarily needed. I think we did the right move this offseason, picking up Devin Singletary and giving ourselves depth at the position in, in the league where there, there's no such thing at this point as a singular running back that doesn't have, like, even B. John Robinson was drafted onto a team that had Tyler Algier, who ran for 1,000 yards last year, I believe. Um, so and, and no matter how good you are, the, the days of, like, LaDainian Tomlinson and Adrian Peterson where the, you're, you are the bell cow and, and other guys only get, you know, the occasional carry. The, every running back room now is two or three running backs taking the, sharing the load based on their skill set. So I, I think the Texans made the right move at running back. I, I 100% think that they became a better team by deciding to pursue Will Anderson, um, and I'll stick by that. Um, I actually posed the question recently on Twitter. Um, right now, as it stands, the Texans pick is 16th overall, and the Browns pick is 19th overall. And it's really early, incredibly early, I acknowledge that, to talk about whether or not you're happy with the Will Anderson trade. But at the end of it all, um, since that's going to be a significant talking point in the future years after the trade, you know, if, if that was how it ended, the season ended today, and that's where the picks fell, would you feel good about the trade for Will Anderson based on that draft position? Losing, like, three three spots. It's a really loaded question based on the fact that you don't know what Will Anderson is going to look like at the end of the season. At you this don't. point in time, if he kind of stays on this trajectory that he's on right now, Good, not great. I, I I think that's that's a fair assessment of him right now. I feel like you're gonna say, uh, eh, you probably overpaid. Not that you were wrong to do it, but that you probably overpaid. Uh, would you have got Will Anderson if you waited? Probably not. Will Anderson was gonna come off the board for sure. So that was a calculated risk you took. I can't fault it. It was D'Amico's guy, it's who he wanted. Alabama coach, Alabama alum, love all of that. For, for chemistry's sake, for everything that he does as far as a leader, love all of that. However, when people go back and they rank these drafts and they go back and grade them and, well, this is what the Texans did, point for point or whatever that computer model is that they use when they make the trades, the Texans probably will lose that. Uh, however, I think that Will Anderson is not done this season. He will continue to ascend. And by the end of the season, if they continue to win football games, that's going to look like a steal of a move. It's going to be smart that they did it because you wouldn't have found a caliber of talent at pick 16, 17, 14, 15, wherever they are, somewhere in the middle that you would have been able to acquire at two. And you'll let Arizona figure out what that pick's going to do. And and to be fair, I, I think personally, like right now I'm happy and, and the poll showed that 95 plus percent people like think that it's a great deal. I mean, I agree. I 100% would, would do that move again, knowing what I know now. Um, I mean, I think that one thing that solidifies the move as being a worthwhile move, if, if Will Anderson was to continue on his trajectory right now and be like an average to above average defensive end in the league, as long as the Texans are close to, or maybe make the playoffs this year. It doesn't matter. I mean, that late of a first round pick for Will Anderson, like, I, I mean, I think it's a hundred percent worthwhile. And I think he's going to ascend to far better than above average at the defensive end position, but that's neither here nor there. Um, on that note, let's move into the keys for keys to victory. So I'd like to hear your bullet points, your, your game plan. You're going, you're looking at the team and you're going, you guys, this is what we got to do out there on the field today you know you, you you put your money in the bank during the week 
and you guys cash out today. Is that that's what D'Amico said? There you go. That's We've exactly what saving up. This is it. What are we doing to cash out this week? Well, if I think the Texans are going to be able to make a withdraw a very large sum this week and get a W, I feel that first and foremost, this defense cannot regress. I think this defense needs to be able to establish the 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 bend don't break. You're going to get field goals. That's all you're getting. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be stingy. You know, less than 300 total yards, something like that. A turnover here or there. I think it's going to take one of those games for the Texans to be successful. I feel like that's what they're going to have to do to be considered a potential playoff team. I don't think this defense can afford to be a middle-of-the-road team because while I do think CJ is going to have a great season, I think he is going to look like a rookie at some point in time. Don't know when it is. It's just bound to happen. He's, you know, it's rare that a guy goes this. I mean, there's only six other guys that have went their first four games of a season without throwing a pick, and they all won the MVP that year. So I don't know. Or, or I think it was five of six. I think one didn't win it because the other guy won it. I think Mahomes won it the year that somebody else did it. Anyway, it's so rare. You just feel like there's bound to be some re- regression to the mean, uh, which is still probably pretty good. And this defense is going to have to tow the load at some point. So if they're going to beat these teams, like I think they should, the, the NFC South going forward, because that's the, 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 the next four or five games of the schedule, something like that. I think the defense showing up every day and being a force is going to go a long way to seeing them do that. I agree with you. So for, for my keys to victory, um, just, just broad strokes, the, the really simple stuff that should kind of just be obvious, but I'll say it just to say it. CJ Stroud continue to be the quarterback that he is lead the team. Offensive line, don't lose your chemistry. Continue to protect the quarterback the same way that you always have. Um, And defensively, continue to lock the team down. More specifically on defense, I think the key to victory is finding a way to lock down B. John Robinson. If this team stops B. John Robinson, they stop the Falcons' offense, plain and simple. So a team that in the past has struggled with run defense has shown so far to be at least semi-capable. I mean, Najee Harris had towards the end started picking up some yards and started penetrating the defense. Um, but it's it really just early on, because uh, football is a mental game. I, all, sports are mental in general. Um, and so early on, the defense locking down, the, what they've been doing, where they lock down for the whole first half, and then the offense takes advantage. You know, We feel the momentum on our side, and, and you go down and you score some touchdowns, and then you take the game. Like That, to me, is the key to victory mentally is just locking them down and the biggest key is is stopping Bijan Robinson the offense you know keep doing you I don't have a specific key I don't have a specific player on the Falcons defense to target honestly outside of AJ Terrell I can't really name a player on the Falcons defense so <laughs> and the only reason I can name him is because when we were trading Deshaun Watson I was like let's send him to Atlanta send him to Atlanta so we can get a first round a couple first round picks and AJ Terrell come on <laughs> that'll help our cornerback room so much um, but no, those are my keys to victory. And, and that, with that, that brings us into score predictions. I would love to hear what you think. I, I, my score prediction is going to look very different from how it has the past four weeks. Well, the one thing I, I didn't get the chance to say that if, if I'm, if I have a key to victory on the offense, it's that it's balance. I feel like not like not talking about a particular player, but we need to see more of the, okay, 
the 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 running back room is going to get you know thirty carries between the two of them, and CJ is only going to throw the ball thirty to thirty five times. If it's if it's more leaning one way or the other, I mean, or I guess if CJ's got to do more is what I should say, then that probably isn't the recipe for success in my opinion. I okay, think yeah, that, I I agree with you, one hundred percent. That that captures because I'm thinking to myself, I'm like offensively, just keep doing what you're doing, and the <laughs> way that you say that more technically, thank you, Tom. For, for being everything that I need in a co-host and reading my mind because that <laughs> that is exactly what this team needs to do is is keep the balance up because you notice in the first two weeks when CJ's throwing 45 times a game, it feels like he has to put the whole team on his back. And when you throw that many times in a game, it's just not a recipe for success. Um, whereas when we see the run game kind of step up and carry a little bit of the weight, it gives CJ the time to to um, you know refocus uh, read the defense, and then when he gets his chance, he'll hit his passes, right? So I agree with you on that. And so on that note, I'd love to hear what you think the score is going to be. I really think it's going to be a close football game. I think you're going to see an Atlanta team that's going to come out stinging off of a loss to the Jags in their building, really motivated. I believe the, that Atlanta's going to do a little bit. I don't know if it's going to be Bijan. I feel like Kyle Pitts is due for a game. I feel like that's a guy that they should be targeting more. They're just not. Johnu Smith had a big game last week, which is really weird to me because Kyle Pitts is supposedly the dude. You went out and drafted him. You spent all this draft capital on him, and you feature a guy that you know was the second fiddle in New England last year or something like that. So – I I really feel like he's the squeaky wheel that might get grease. I think that if there's a particular area where the Texans might struggle, it's with like a a, a, a nickel corner or something like that where Pitts takes advantage or something. Because, you know, they'll, they'll line him up all over the field. Um, Bijan's going to do things. He's too talented not to. I don't think he's a guy you can completely stop. He's somebody you kind of contain, you hope to contain. Um I feel like this score is going to be a like a 27-20 Texan win is what I think. I think it's going to be something where the Atlanta Falcons have the ball to be able to cuz you're a storyteller so I'm trying to trying to get my own storytelling on. I feel like the Atlanta Falcons are going to have the football with a chance to tie the game late and there's going to be a defensive play made to seal the victory and they're going to be able to salt it away with the run game and uh, it's going to be another hard hard fought win. Uh, I don't think the defense is going to play poorly. I just think Atlanta is going to do a couple things to get a couple touchdowns, do just enough to move the football to get a, a field goal or two field goals, and that's going to be the score. Big game by Nico Collins. Yeah, of course. It's either Nico or Tank. I mean, Nico has ha- it's been seems like it's alternated kind of. So we'll see. Well, I hope I hope they both have big games. Well, I ask you this. You talked about A.J. Terrell. Do you think he's a guy that would shadow the the wide receiver one for the other team? I So I, as much as I, I, I think that Nico has clearly defined himself as that thus far this season, um, I don't think other teams are keying on Nico quite yet. This could be the first game where we have the opportunity to see another team be like, here is our best corner. Recreate Revis Island, but with this guy over here. Um, so... I don't know if they'll shadow him. 
I, I don't think they can shadow tank Dell. I think that other other teams at this point just go tank is slippery, and we just kind of hope our coverage doesn't break down against him. Um, so I think that if he is one to shadow the the best option, he'll probably stick with Nico Collins. Um, we'll see how it goes. I'm glad you brought up Kyle Pitts. I made that mistake once last year in a redraft league, and I was like, oh, it's the it's the, the second or third round, and and Kyle Pitts is still available. Perfect. I am going to pick up my tight end for the year. I won that league. But I it, I ended up dropping Kyle Pitts for another player because I couldn't I couldn't deal with that. Um, but my score prediction is similar to yours. It's like fifty percent of yours. Um, I mean, I I'm picking. Ooh, uh oh, sorry, my camera's going out. One second, I'm gonna switch <laughs> over. Um, I am gonna pick the Texans to win. 27 10 and so i with that i came to that conclusion not easily um i thinking about it i don't think the the falcons off can offense can put out i i think that Bijan maybe gets a touchdown and they maybe get like a field goal um i i, I and, and i see what you're saying about them returning home and being mad about the international game At the same time they're returning from an international game it's going to mess up their whole practice schedule for the week. It's really going to put put a wrench in things. It's it, I mean, I hate to be I don't want to be disrespectful of the Falcons. Um I mean, they're probably semi all right, you know. They're they're one of the one of the reasons that I don't think the Texans can 4-0 this NFC South stretch is the Falcons. Like that that's one of the teams of the four that I think could possibly pull off an upset of sorts. Um them the Saints and uh the Saints and the Buccaneers, the the Panthers don't really scare me at the moment. Um, even with the bad blood between CJ and and uh, and Bryce or the rivalry of sorts, if you will, not not bad blood. They're good friends, but um, so I I I think they're capable. But I'm gonna go 27 to 10. I I'm trying to be accurate in how I feel about how the Texans can do, and so with that, I'll give my my story time for how it goes. This is not a very close score. So it's hard to find the moment in which I, you know, tell the story. So I'm going to start from the beginning when the game's interesting. Um, Texans win the toss, defer. Falcons get the ball and shock the Texans out the gate. Bijan Robinson, 60-yard touchdown run. Um, and the Texans are like, oh, dang. We got to come out and match them. <laughs> and C.J. Stroud, you know, or we get the ball, knee it, 25-yard line. And C.J. Stroud, first play of the game. Just absolute coverage breakdown. Tank Dell is deep, and C.J. Stroud hits a 75-yard touchdown pass to to C, uh, Tank Dell. And from there, the game never never really you know goes the Falcons' way. Um, it was just one spurt, one one defensive miscue that caused them to score that touchdown. The Texans put up two more touchdowns and two field goals, and win 27 to 10. And that is my storybook end. <laughs> it'll be it'll be a great game to discuss if that's the way it goes i mean obviously when you talk about three games where the team really dominated on defense if that's how it's going to look uh it's just going to shine a bigger brighter light on what D'Amico's doing with this defense because while these teams aren't the top tier it's not like they're stopping miami or they're stopping buffalo they're they're being very successful against these teams that they should be successful against. 
So I think that's how you build that chemistry. That's how you build that culture. And it'd be great. Yeah. All right. I'm excited for this matchup. I, for the past two, they've been pleasant surprises for me where I'm like, okay, like I thought the Texans could win, but I didn't know like by this much. Um, but now you, you got, I'm hype. I'm here ready to see the Texans do their thing. So um, any final thoughts before we go into, you know, I'm really, out? I'm really interested to see which wide receiver steps up. If it's, if AJ Terrell is really going to be a, a lockdown guy, uh, you look at a guy like Robert Woods. You, you talked about Xavier Hutchinson. We obviously talked about Tank Dell. I feel like for the Texans to win, unless unless all of a sudden we're going to get the Damian Pierce game, one of those guys, or, or Dalton Schultz or Brevin Jordan, one of those guys is going to have to step up and have a huge game. So I'm really interested to see who that will be. Uh, selfishly, I'm, I'm hoping it's uh, Mechie because that would be a cool story to tell. I think it would be great to, have, to see a Mechie breakout game. And I think – what what that really displays just what you said in general is how you know talking about the Texans receiving core leading into the season, a lot of people thought it was one of the worst in the league, um, and I tried to tell people. I, now I'm not going to step out and act like I was like, oh, this is going to be one of the better receiving cores. Like these guys are really good, but what people failed to see was potential. Um, that was the biggest thing that made me believe this wasn't the worst receiving core in the league was was the fact that there's too much potential and the the excessive change at quarterback. As long as C.J. Stroud is who we think he is, this receiving core performs well. And so it's been great to see it play out. Um, for me personally, just from a fantasy perspective, I'm hopeful that Tank Dell and Nico Collins both go off since I, you know, in various leagues I'm starting some combination of those two. Um, but on that note, if you like the Texans, if you love the Texans, um, we don't just do this. We also are on the PSF app. And we cover the game. And this weekend, we are actually covering the game uh, for, for the Falcons-Texans game. Uh, so it would be awesome if you guys could download the app, jump into the Texans chat room, and see what it's all about. Because this is, this is the future of watching sports. This is, this is it. So I highly recommend you jump on board. Um, additionally, I, I am at M1 Texans fan on social media. That's where you can find me on PSF or on, you know, Twitter, the YouTube channel for this is is under that as well. If you want to search it up, um, and then Third Coast Tom is Tom's username. You can find him on Twitter. It's really mostly where he's at. So if you're interested in following us, you can do that. Um, if you like what you saw today, if you like, comment, subscribe. Let us know what you thought. We we always love constructive criticism. We don't much care for you know mean criticism. No, I'm just kidding. You can be as mean as you want. We're both, you know, vet- veterans. We can take it. We got thick skin. So, you know, give, give us your worst or, or your best. We Honestly, we would prefer your best. That would make us happy. But, um, yeah, until next time, you know, I've been James Roy. I've been Thomas Chavaria. And uh, we'll see on on the flippity flop. Go Texans. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas.